0: So, um, uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, you're, you're coming into a, uh, a two-part sermon. I wasn't originally planning it to be a two-part sermon, but um, but I learned different this week. So, um, uh, this week, uh, it turned out to be a two-part sermon, as I said. L- last week, if you weren't here, you can listen online. You know, just go to the, the website, and it's on the front page. You can follow the links, But but let me just quickly catch you up. Last week, what we did is we looked at a passage where Jesus told his disciples... He told his followers that, that they were salt and light, that they were something that you might not notice it um, if it's gone, how much there is or, or how much, but but if it uh, appears, if it arrives, then you do notice it, so, uh, the salt and light. Jesus said that we're like that. We, his disciples, are like that. And so he said, we are a city on a hill, something that can't be overlooked, something you can't miss. And he said, for that reason, we should shine we should we should let our light shine and uh we should shine before other people so that they will see our good works and praise our father in heaven so that was kind of where we where we uh, uh stopped last week <clears throat> that we should we should shine before other people they should see our good works and praise our father in heaven but the problem is that just um a couple of uh, uh later on um in that same biography of Jesus the very next chapter, Jesus says, be very careful about good works. He says, be careful um, uh, practicing your piety before other people. Because if you if you do your good works to be seen by people, then your only reward is the is the reward that they give you. Your your Heavenly Father won't give you a reward because you've already got one. So Jesus establishes that there's two classes of good works. He doesn't say there's anything wrong with acts of piety. He says they're, they're fine. Uh, acts of piety would be things like, um, uh, giving alms to the poor, um, giving generously to people who are in need. Uh, it would be, a prayer. It would be fasting, things like that. And Jesus says there's nothing wrong with those. Those are good things to do. But he says be careful. Do those in private. Do those in private because otherwise people will see you do them and they will, they will give praise to you instead of to God. So he says you, be very cautious about that. But he says there is this other class of of good deeds that we can do that people will praise God instead of us. And that's what I want to look at today. The passage today is an example of that because uh, Jesus feeds this multitude and the disciples are involved in that. The disciples have a role in feeding the multitude, but nobody gives them praise, right? Nobody stops and says, wow, did you see the way he handed me that piece of bread? That was so cool. Uh, Nobody says they had just the right number of loaves at the start. It's all on the disciples. Nobody even notices the disciples. They are just uh, carrying out the work that Jesus gives them, and all the praise goes to Jesus. So I want to look at this passage today because it helps us to see um, better, more clearly, what it is that Jesus is talking about when he says, let your good works shine before people. So so let's go ahead and take a look at it. Um, it's uh, chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel and uh, it begins, in those days there was again a great crowd without anything to eat. I want to stop there quickly because, because of this word crowd. One of the things we see throughout all of the different biographies of Jesus is that Jesus attracts a crowd. I don't know how many of you have seen the the movie um, *Spinal Tap*. Uh, this is *Spinal Tap*. It's a it's a, a humorous movie, and it's it's a takeoff on on documentaries that interviews a, a rock band, and this rock band is kind of at the peak of their popularity, and uh, it, this this documentary happened to be filmed as they were kind of beginning their slide into obscurity, and so it, it's kind of a cringing kind of experience as you watch it, as this band goes from filling up large arenas to smaller clubs and. Their albums go from platinum down to you know not very much, and and, um, and and so you see this and and I can't help but think about denominational churches when I see that movie, because you know fifty or a hundred years ago we were kind of the, the the cock of the walk we ruled the roost, and um, people flocked to the church, and um, and in this movie Spinal Tap the the manager of the band says to the documentarist, he says he says no. It's not that their albums are selling less; it's that the band is becoming more selective in their appeal. And sometimes I wonder if maybe if maybe the denominational churches, um, if the denominational churches, Presbyterians, Methodists, you know, all of the old mainline churches are becoming more selective in our appeal. Uh, and what we see in the Bible is there's nothing elite about Jesus; he always attracted crowds. Um, it's true, not all the crowds went on to become followers. Uh, they 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 heard what Jesus had to say and they said, you know what, if I became a follower, then I'd have to change some things in my life, I'd have to stop doing this or start doing that. I couldn't be a follower of Jesus um, if I did this or if I did that. So not everybody became a disciple. But Jesus always attracted a crowd. And I think those of us in the church have to ask ourselves, uh, why are we becoming so selective in our appeal? Jesus says that if he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. And I think we need to always ask ourselves, why is it? Are we reflecting that? So so Jesus has a crowd with him, and the crowd has nothing to eat. And he calls his disciples and says to them, I have compassion for the crowd, because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. Jesus says he has compassion for the crowd, and maybe that's the reason you're here today, is to hear that one line. Maybe that's the reason you came to church today, and you can tune out everything I say from this point forward, because what God wants you to know is he has compassion for you. Jesus has compassion. This word compassion, it's kind of a bland word. It's, you know, what is compassion? You know, it's a good thing to have, but what does it mean? The word that Jesus actually uses in the original language is a very strong word, and so I looked around and tried to find a translation that, that kind of gets at the strength of it. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the message translation from uh, Eugene Peterson. Um, it's it's it really uh, the way that he he worked out the message is he tried to be a little looser, not as not as precise in terms of the wording, but to give you more of a feel for what was going on in the Bible. And in the message, the the language he uses is dead on because he says he says my heart is breaking for the crowd. Jesus says my heart is breaking for the crowd. And, and, and notice he says it's for the whole crowd. What, what is the problem? Jesus says, they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. Uh, these people came out into the wilderness and there was nothing to eat there. So they, whatever provisions they brought with them um, are not enough. Okay, uh, They did something that wasn't wise. I mean, it's understandable. If Jesus was was up in Wasilla or somewhere up in the Matsu, okay, I'd get in my car and I'd go see him okay if jesus was down in kenai i'd go see him okay and i'd think about provisions later so i mean i understand what they did but they weren't prepared for the fact that they were with jesus for three days and uh, you know they use up whatever snacks they brought with them and now they're hungry they messed up jesus doesn't say well look uh, these people here this one group right here they had bad luck okay they got robbed on their way out to the wilderness So they don't have enough provisions. The rest of those people over there, they just messed up. They just didn't plan ahead. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say, my heart's breaking for the people who are hard luck stories, but I could care less about the people who didn't plan ahead. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, my heart is breaking for everybody who is suffering. And so if you've ever wondered, does God have compassion for you? not because of, of some misfortune you've, you've suffered, although maybe you have suffered misfortune, but because of your own mess-ups, the way you've, you've worked out your life, does God still care about you? The answer is yes. Jesus' heart breaks for people who've messed up their lives. Jesus has compassion for the crowd. So maybe if that's news to you or it's, it's the first time you've heard it lately and you need to hear it now, maybe that's all you need to hear and you can tune out the rest. But if that's not news for you, I want you to watch what happens with the disciples as we read the rest of this. It says, Jesus says, um, they've been with me for three days. If I send them away hungry for their ho- to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples said, how can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? Jesus says, I've got um, a-, a breaking heart for this crowd. And the disciples say, yeah, but. They say, yeah, I know. Things are tough all over, Jesus, but we don't have any resources for them. So that's the breaks. And I think, now now I don't know this, um, uh, I, I, I do not I can't point to a passage in the Bible that says so. This is my opinion, you can take it or leave it. But I think what Jesus was hoping for is one of the disciples would say, Jesus, are you going to multiply loaves and fishes? Because that's so cool when you do that. See, this is not the first time they've been in this situation. If you go back two chapters, in the middle of chapter 6, there was a great multitude. There was 5,000 people who went out to, to hear Jesus, and they were hungry, and Jesus fed them. So the disciples have seen this before. They know that Jesus can do all kinds of amazing things. They know Jesus can feed a multitude. And I think Jesus is hoping one of his disciples will not see the problem, but see the possibility. That they will say, Jesus, are you really going to feed the multitude? It's so cool when you do that. But they don't. They say, how can you feed such a big crowd of people out here where there's nothing? So, Jesus wrings his hands. He says, you're right, it is a tough problem. I don't know what to do about it. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus, Jesus doesn't let our um, uh, poor discipleship, our, our lack of imagination, stop him. He says, how many loaves do you have? now i know how i would answer that question i'd say well me and the guys we brought seven loaves for us we actually didn't bring anything for them okay there's a great big crowd out there and you know we got seven loaves to split between let's see 12 disciples plus you jesus that's 13 we're not even gonna get a loaf apiece. peace um so so uh no there's nothing for them the answer is is a twofold seven loaves zero for them but Jesus says, seven's a perfect number. That'll do very nicely. And he says, give them to me. They said seven, and he ordered the crowd to sit in the ground, and he took seven loaves, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. Now, uh, because the disciples have been here before, um, what I might be thinking to myself is, okay, Jesus, hold on a second. How many loaves? How many loaves do you need? Because, you see, if you go back to chapter 6, Jesus fed 5,000 people, and he only had 5 loaves. And so I'd be thinking, okay, how about if I give you 5 Jesus, and I keep 2? Okay? Because then if something goes wrong with the miracle here, I've still got my 2 loaves. But Jesus takes all 7. But Jesus takes all 7 loaves, and then one of the disciples blurts out, oh, and I got some fish too, and the other says, ah, don't, don't, don't mention the fish. But, but they do, they mention, it says, it says, Um, They also had a few small fish, so Jesus takes those two. He blesses them and orders that these two should be distributed. And they ate and were filled. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. There were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. So uh, everybody got fed because because Jesus took the seven loaves and the few small fish and uh, blessed them and multiplied them. So, everybody got fed. What is the lesson for us? I think that there's two things to see here. And, and um, the first one is that is that the number doesn't matter, whether it's five or seven or 14. The number of loaves doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's dwarfed by the size of the crowd. There's a huge crowd. There's no way that those few loaves will feed them. And Jesus says, that's okay. Give me everything you've got, and I'll take care of the rest. Give me everything you've got, and I'll take care of the rest. Now, that's the first part, so hold on to that, but I need to be clear. You may have heard something that sounded like that on TV, okay? Because there's there are people on TV who will say, God wants you to have a shinier car or a bigger house, and so what you need to do is you need to step out in faith and give me, me, the pastor. You need to give me, the preacher, everything you've got, and then God will take care of the bigger house and the shinier car. And that's called the prosperity gospel. It has nothing to do with the gospel. Okay, and this sounds almost like it. But there's a difference. Because where does it say Jesus gave the disciples hundreds of loaves of bread in exchange for the seven they gave him? There's nothing that says the disciples even got fed. In fact, you could argue, if you look ahead a few verses in the in the um just in the middle of chapter eight, it says it says the disciples. Um, they got into an argument because they have no bread. So uh, whatever bread they got was no more than everybody else in the crowd got. So uh, possibly none. Maybe Jesus said, you know, you guys can go hungry for a change. You know, I'm with you. It's OK. But but they certainly did not get a prosperity gospel. You get a ton of food in exchange for uh, giving me your seven up front. OK, that's not what's being said here. Jesus is saying that if you give the things you have, if you give sacrificially, if you give all you've got because there's something that breaks God's heart, and because it breaks God's heart, it breaks your heart too. If you give sacrificially to those sort of problems, then it won't be wasted, and it may be part of something that is amazing. So it's not about getting a bigger house, a bigger car. It's about chasing after the things that break God's heart. And being a part of what he does in them. So the first part is, whatever you've got is enough as long as you give it all to God. The second part is this, there's no guarantees. See, later on in the story, the Pharisees, they come and they begin to argue with him. They ask for a sign. They say, Jesus, you talk about God a lot. I want a guarantee. I want a cast iron guarantee that that proves that you're from God. Jesus says, No. I'm not going to give you a guarantee. And that's what Jesus does really to the disciples too. He doesn't give them a guarantee. right? If I had been there, if I had the, the ability, what I would have done is I would have taken the seven loaves and I would have, you know, presto, o and there would have been a heap of bread on the ground and a heap of fishes, and I would have said, everybody come and get it. Right? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus does not make guarantees. Until the last person is served, it's never clear if there's going to be enough. Jesus makes no guarantees. He says, he says, he says, uh, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Jesus says there are no guarantees. Instead he says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? So, what is, what is the lesson here? The lesson is, our little is enough if we give it all to Jesus in trust that he will use it to glorify god so what does this have to do with good works i I mean i avoid crowds um that way i don't have to feed them so so how how do do i apply this what do i what do i do with this myself well i submit that this is a lens we can use to understand our lives as disciples that this is not just a one-time event that happened two thousand years ago this is the way we should look at how God is involved in the lives of his disciples. I mean, if you think about it, some of this may sound familiar. If you've ever been involved with a 12-step program, right? What, what, is, the, what is the core idea under, underlying a 12-step program? It's this one day at a time, right? I cannot get through the rest of my life without drugs or alcohol or whatever it is that I, I am addicted to. Um, I cannot do that. But I can get through today. Or maybe I can't get through today, but I can get through the next five minutes. And I'm trusting in the higher power. We would say I'm trusting Jesus to get me through the rest. So we are bringing our few loaves, trusting that God will take care of the rest. So, so we're familiar with it from that. But, but I would argue it applies to every part of our life. You know, you, you say, you say, but what about my marriage? What about, what about my kids? What about my parents? What about my job? You know, you know, if you knew what I was going through, if you knew what I was going through, you see, I don't know how much further I can go. I don't know how much longer I can take it. If you've ever asked that question, you know, I, the truth is I don't know. I don't know. And, and you don't know. You don't know how much longer you can take it. If you've ever asked that question, say to yourself, yeah, but Jesus does. And if I do what I can, In a situation where Jesus' heart is breaking, then He will take care of the rest. And I can, I can apply myself and I can get through this semester. Okay? I can go back to work tomorrow. I can, I can have another day in this marriage. I can, I can uh, relate to my parents. I can somehow deal with my kids. Whatever it is, whatever it is where you're saying, I don't know how much more I can take. Can you get through the next hour? Can you get through the next day? And can you trust Jesus to take care of the rest? That's what this lesson teaches us. Our little is enough if we trust it to Jesus. So try that out in your life. Whatever circumstances you're facing in your life, try that out. But I want to particularly invite you to think about how that might play out in our life as a congregation. You know, when we when we are confronted with something, we have the ability to be part of something. And we know that Jesus' heart breaks because of the situation. How do we respond? Do we say, yeah, that's tough. Things are tough all over. We've got problems ourselves. We don't have the resources. We'd love to be a part of that, but we don't have the resources. Or do we say what the disciples should have said? Do we say, Jesus, are you going to multiply loaves again? because that's so cool when you do that. That's what Jesus is inviting our church to be. To to be to be disciples, to be the kind of disciples who say, "I love it when you do that, Jesus. I don't know how it works, but I'm in. I want to be part of what you're doing." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We know that we know that our salvation is a free gift and it's not conditioned on on how well we we behave or whether we are uh, great disciples. But we know that you care not just about whether we get to heaven but what kind of lives we're going to have in the meantime. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to hold on to this truth that our little is enough if we give it to you. If we say Jesus, Jesus take this small bit And use it for your glory. Work in us. Take care of the part that we can't do ourselves. So that it comes back to you. And glorifies your Father in heaven. Lord, help us to hold on to that. Help us to hold on to it in our personal lives. The things that that we are challenged by. The things we don't know how much more we can take. Help us to apply it there. But help us to apply it as a church. Help us to to run out, help us to use up our loaves, trusting that you will do something amazing with them. I pray all this in Christ's name, amen.